Today, I'm with Hawa. He is an artist, an author, an educator, he's a yoga instructor, and he's a community organizer who has dedicated his life to teaching about solutions to violence and ways to peace. How cool is that? He's traveled to more than 28 countries in the past 10 years to facilitate interactive workshops, dialogues, perform poetry, teach yoga, and speak with those interested in creating a caring, sustainable, and equitable world. In 1999, working as a community organizer and mentor, Hawa completed one year of service with AmeriCorps, and then while working with youth who were chained by their feet and ankles, he was exploring the roots of oppression. In 2000, he finished at American University with a degree in peace and education philosophy, oh my goodness, and co-founded One Common Unity, a nonprofit organization based in Washington, D.C. In 2001, Howell was the recipient of a fellowship with the Robert F. Kennedy Memorial, and he worked closely with the United Nations and the World Conference Against Racism and Discrimination. Howell, you're too cool for my podcast. Thank you so much for coming. <laughs> I was going to say, don't read all that. <laughs> it's necessary. It's I just... I'm fascinated by everything you've done in your young life. And I understand that when you went to American... I'm so young. I'm about 145 years old. Well, it probably feels like it after everything you've done. So when you were at American, you actually designed your own major, which I did too, because I couldn't find anything that that quite fit me. So I think we have that in common. That's kind of cool. That is really cool. What, what was your major called? Well, mine was... It was, it was this long title. It was actually theater and communications, but it was um, public relations, publicity, and the performing arts because, you oh, know, wow. I don't know. I couldn't, couldn't, make, couldn't fit myself into one of their boxes. So anyway, I'm so excited to have you here. You are doing such great work. Tell us about One Common Unity. Um, sure, yeah, One Common Unity. We've actually been around. I can't believe it. We've been around for 13 years, um, which... I mean, I'm just kind of amazed that we're still standing after the economy buckled and people were pulling out funding left and right from nonprofit organizations and we're like, you know, we're diving at crumbs that are falling off the table for money to keep our youth programs moving. Um, but, you know, thankfully, we've, um, we've been really blessed with amazing board members and strength volunteers and really committed uh, staff people that, that just wouldn't let go and, and relentless and really believe in what we're doing. Um, we, uh, you know, we work really on the front lines of providing and supporting um, a movement for peace education and social-emotional learning in the country. Um, we inspire a culture of nonviolence through arts and music and media. Um, and so we've, um, you know, the organization has produced three films and uh, we've, uh, we have about four or five youth uh, CDs, musical CDs that uh, youth create during one of our summer programs. Um, and we've, uh, you know, we work in schools all around, all around the area, uh, training teachers and uh, providing them with tools in the classroom to deal with, to deal with um, creating healthy classrooms and inspiring educational settings that aren't all based on rote memorization and, uh, you know, some of the pitfalls of our education system are not looking at the child as a whole child. So, so we combat all that, and that, that's what we do. 
Oh, that is so awesome. And you've been around long enough to probably have some alumni from your programs. Have you seen them come back and, and talk to you about where they are in life? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've seen, I've seen, I, I see youth. You know, when I'm in D.C., I, I get stopped often by youth that have been through one of our programs that have been in my class even, you know, eight, ten years ago. When I first started teaching, it was in the year 2000. And one, um, I actually started as a high school teacher in D.C., uh, in, in the biggest public high school in D.C., and I was teaching an elective called Alternatives to Violence. And um, we would have, I mean, I'd have 35, 40 kids in each one of these classes. And so every year, I mean, I was, I was working with four or 500 students a year for five or six years straight. So there's thousands of kids in the city that I... <laughs> I end up running into at random places when I'm walking down the street, and they still remember me. Um, and I get to I get to hear, even you know, eight years later, how much the class and the work has impacted them. And it's it's really you know it keeps me going. It makes me feel like it's really important stuff that we're doing. Oh my gosh, it is so important. You know, my favorite class in college, even though I was a theater major, was it was a class called Liberation Movements and Human Freedom. And it sounds like what you taught. I, I feel like everybody should have that class earlier on than college, in fact. So gosh, bless you for being there. You have, you, you've done so much work and you've seen so much. Let's just break it down. What is the root cause of oppression and, and discrimination? I mean, what is the root cause, would you say? Hmm. Well, the root cause, I'm, I'm not going to be systematic with it right now. I'm not going to get institutional with it. I'm actually, um, you know, depending on the day, I guess there could be a different answer to the root cause of anything. But um, I would rather connect the internal ecosystem to the external ecosystem right now. And I would say that you know, the root cause of a lot of the difficulties, the problems, the oppression, the violence that we see in the world, it, it really it begins within a seed um, of consciousness, a seed that's planted in our hearts that unfortunately has not been watered enough and sufficiently. Um, and I think it's fear. I think a lot of fear drives oppression, it drives violence. And I think fear is probably one of the, the major roots um, the fear in our hearts of, of lack of abundance, lack of security, lack of opportunity, the fear that we have in our hearts of others, um, you know, everything from jealousy to envy to you know, having to, to deal and, and live in a world that might not be supportive or encouraging um, or provide the necessary systems to, to help one live. You know, free of thinking of, of just basic necessities. Um, and then we get into institutional things, you know, we could talk about poverty, we could talk about distribution of wealth, um, you know, we can talk about, about malfunctioning systems and voiceless people that, that are marginalized and oppressed um, and forced to work in conditions that are completely um, abhorrent. And so this, I mean, I think all these things are connected, but for me the root is it really begins in the heart. And I think that, um, that you know, systems will improve. Uh, Governments will improve, corporations will improve when people running these corporations are no longer greedy. You know, mm. They're no longer self-centered, um, but they're other-centered world, you know? Yeah, for sure, for sure. I liked what one thing you said on your website that we need to go from a survival of the fittest mode to 
survival of what was it? For, for all of us, survival for all of us. Survival, which is really about collaboration and community, and and the fact that we're all connected. Well, that's and that's how you combat the, the self-centeredness, right? Because when we when we have that conscious realization that we're all connected, that me and Connie are really, in essence, you know, not separate, then all of a sudden I become other-centered, and I see how your success is is important to me too, because it, it, my success and your success are tied together. Rising tide lifts all boats, right? Yeah. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we cooperate. That's why we collaborate. Um, and that's what we haven't realized yet, I think, as, in terms of a larger sort of big conscious leap as a species on this planet that we just we still haven't found a way to really embrace that, that spiritual realization, um, which is what survival for all of us is to me. You know? Yeah, me too. Me too. Let's talk about the film Fly by Light, which just came out. I haven't seen it yet, and I'm so excited to see it. Tell me all about it. <laughs> Don't tell me that much, though. Don't tell me how it ends. Don't forget to leave anything out. I just want to make um, the most of our conversation because I don't have you for very long. So tell me about yeah, the film. Yeah. <laughs> the film. Um, the film is the culmination of uh, two and a half years of, um, of really amazing work, collaboration with. Um, with amazing artists and filmmakers and editors. Um, and really the film is capturing the, the journey that 14 youth take while in one of our, our youth programs called Fly By Light. Um, and documentary filmmaker who's a dear friend of mine, her name is Kelly Walton. She's the film's director. Um, and I'd asked her over two years ago to consider making this film and following me and following the youth and the program um, over the course of this year. And then we, we went on, even after the program ended and the youth graduated, we kept following them for another another year. Um, so the film is sort of, it spans this two, two and a half year period, um, and it kind of watches the tides as they rise and they fall. And we, we really hone in on like four of the youth particular that are in the program and we really get deep into their lives at home and kind of see and hear about the trauma and the difficulties they faced while growing up and how that's really shaped them now and their behavior now and their attitude now and, and then we look at like what can we do to, to move past that trauma like how do we break this cycle of violence um, that I was speaking about earlier and so the film Fly by Light that's I mean it's really really a powerful, um, powerful piece of, of documentary work that really digs into the, the root causes of some of the obstacles young people face growing up today. And we should say the, the kids were all from downtown D.C., correct? Yeah, 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 they're all, all the 14 youth are inner city D.C. youth, urban youth, and a lot of them have never traveled um, even, you know, far out into the mountains before. And the program actually climaxes with this eight-day retreat um, where we all go into the mountains of West Virginia. And, um, you know, we're living in cabins without electricity. And, um, you know, they're face-to-face with snakes and <laughs> wild animals. And they're, they're hiking through the mountains. And, um, you know, this is all new ground for a lot of these youth. And so, you know, she's following us through this whole process, wow. um, which is 
really, it's really beautiful to watch. Well, the trailer itself, which is on your website, is um, is powerful on its own. Okay. So yeah, I, I'm anxious to see the movie. Tell me about another one of your initiatives, the Poetry of Yoga Project. Yeah, the Poetry of Yoga. This, um, so I, I mean, you mentioned earlier I'm, I'm a yoga instructor. Um, you know, I'm a thoroughbred poet as well. I've, I've been writing poetry since grade school, and um, spoken word poetry is, is one of my, my crafts and passions. So I wanted to pull these two, um, to me, what are very similar art forms and expressions. I wanted to pull them together into uh, a project. And so I, I, I created um, this call for submissions that I, I put out about two and a half, maybe even longer, like three years ago. I, I was like, I'm looking for poetry from around the world. It's like modern day existential poetry. Um, I'm sure you've heard of uh, Rumi or Hafez. Mm-hmm. You know, those old Sufi poets, nearby, um, these poets that would, you know, express themselves uh, and their devotion and their surrender through just heart-wrenching poetry. And I was convinced that there's modern-day Hafizes and, and Rumis in the world, and so I, I was trying to find them, and I said, you know, send me your poetry. And the call for submissions kind of went viral, and it took off in a way that I wasn't expecting, and, in, you know, in the course of probably six months, I had over 2,300 pages of poetry sent to me um, online through my submission form, and it, it was pretty overwhelming. It came from over 20 different countries, and so I actually ended up closing the submissions, and then I was stuck with, with a mountain of poetry from all around the world that I had to figure out what to do with. <laughs> so, so finally, I mean, I spent the next year reading all the stuff and sorting it out, and I, I recognized that it was some of it was just so good. It was like it was more than it was more than just one book. It was like two or three volumes, and it, and so I ended up releasing um, one one volume back in 2011. That was uh, 333 pages of poetry, and then the second volume came out about eight months ago, and that was also 333 pages of poetry. Um, so there's two volumes out right now. Um, it's called the Poetry of Yoga. All the poets are living, modern-day poets from all around the world, um, and the poetry is it, it's beautiful. I mean, you know, it sings and 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 it it it's themed around beauty and pain and suffering and love and compassion and freedom, um, surrender. All these are like the themes of the poems, and, and the poems are really really powerful poetry. Um, so that's you know, those are two volumes that that are available. Oh. Well, that sounds fun. What a great life you have. <laughs> I work hard, Connie, believe it or not. I know. Believe me. I know. I know. I know. So what what kind of things do you do as a teacher and a healer and a leader and, and all these these roles that you play that are, are where people are asking, well, you're, you're giving your energy. What do you do as a... Um, to keep yourself grounded, mind, body, and spirit, and whole, sure, and sure. all that good so, stuff? Good question. That's a really good question. I mean, first of all, I, I definitely don't think I'm doing enough. Um, I think that I, I feel like there's there's so much that needs to be done, and, um, you know, I'm constantly filled with this feeling of, of not yet realizing um, the potential of myself or of all the 
people I'm surrounded with, and I, I, I'm on this consistent battlefield of like figuring out how can this work be more impactful, how can we change more quicker, um, you know, and then that pushes up against the yogic side of me that just says let go and you know let it come at its own time. So that that's an interesting struggle, you know, um, as an artist, um, as someone that you know that paints and that writes and, and that does a lot of movement. Um, I practice kung fu and bagua uh, zong and tai chi and qigong, and so I spend I spend a couple hours a day um, in my meditation room. You know, I really do. And I, I, I turn my phone off and I practice. I stand on my head. Um, I've been, Sweet. You know, I've been, burn, I've been burning out lately. Um, I left for India about two years ago. Um, I moved to India because I, yeah, I felt like my life in D.C. was just a little bit too fast. It was moving too quick. I was doing too much stuff, and I had to slow down. So I, I went and, and lived in an ashram, and I was working in a rice field in South India for you know a good month. I was picking, cutting rice and <laughs> carrying it on the top of my head, and... Gosh. You know, totally just, I mean, you know, then I moved to a monastery up, up in the north, and, and so I I try to pull myself out as often as I can, find time to escape um, without completely uprooting everything, and as long as the programs can keep going, and I've got people in D.C. that are, you know, that are able to, to manage while I'm away, and then I can come back, um, but I try to charge my battery often, I really do, and I take time for myself, um, and, and a lot of my, you know, a lot of my joy and a lot of how I get back is by giving. So, you know, especially, you know, what I don't do anymore is I don't teach a lot of studio classes. I used to teach a lot of uh, studio classes, yoga that is. I would teach in a lot of studios, and I've pretty much cut all of my studio classes. I Actually, I've cut all my studio classes in D.C., so I don't even teach yoga in D.C. anymore. Um, it feels like I, you just realized that. <laughs> Did you just realize that? You're like, wow, I cut out yeah, all my studio yeah, classes. <laughs> I don't have any. Yeah, no, it's true. And, and that was a lot of time. That was, yeah. was a lot of my time, you know, teaching eight or ten classes a week. It's a lot of time. And my, and my realization, Connie, was that, you know, for me, you know, there's there's so many great yoga teachers um, out there. And there's so many right here in D.C. that are teaching in yoga studios. And they're all amazing. And I felt like, you know, my skills and my gift, I feel like, is, is with kids and working with youth. And especially young people that don't have access to yoga and healing arts and to, to, to work around alternatives to violence and conflict resolution. So I'm saving all of my, my energy for the schools. And so I pretty much, you know, the only time you see me working with demographics that the people that typically go to yoga studios is when I'm doing like a weekend workshop somewhere. Um, and that's pretty much when I open myself up to the, to the community of people that kind of have the money to afford yoga classes, but otherwise most of my time is spent, you know, working, working in areas where people just don't have access, and that's, 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 that fills me too, you know, believe it or not, that actually gives me a lot of joy, feeling like these people really appreciate what I have to give and offer, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Let me ask you this, what can a white mom from the suburbs do to get involved in spreading peace and stopping racism and doing some of the good work that you're doing? Sure. Good question. Um, you know, I think, first of all, it begins right locally in your neighborhood. Um, I think that, I think that we've kind of 
come into a culture now where there's so much fear that people are afraid of the kids that are walking down the blocks. People don't want to say hi on the street. Um, I think something as simple as like finding, you know, finding some after school programs to, to get involved with, um, mentoring a child, uh, you know, getting involved in the lives of children that are not just your own children. Um, Biologically speaking, I think that's a huge, huge thing. Um, there's a lot of kids growing up with, you know, in single parent households, and you know, a lot of these after school programs they don't have the amount of staff or volunteers that they need to be running effectively. And so you've got situations where there's like 30 or 40 kids, and there's one or two adults that are trying to facilitate and teach. Um, and so I, I think just getting involved locally is really key. Um, white or black or green or purple, whatever you are, it doesn't really matter. Um, you know, violence in the suburbs just takes a different expression than, than in the inner city, right? So, sure. so violence, but, you know, I, would, I would say that some of the most at-risk children are the children whose parents are on Wall Street, you know, reading the Wall Street Journal every day. I think these are very at-risk children. Um, you know, they don't receive the attention and the love that for the time from their parents because their parents are both working, you know, 14 hours a day. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I just think there's so much that can be done uh, no matter where you are, but I just think one has to really want to find the opportunities or create the opportunities um, in your own neighborhood and support local organizations, local nonprofits, uh, local school initiatives that are trying to do extracurricular activities for youth um, to keep them engaged in positive things. Positive things, like the arts. I could go on forever about that. Okay, so (laughs) the arts, just the arts in schools. We've got to keep them alive. For more information about the film, the Poetry of Yoga project, or your good work to get involved, how would people find you? You can, um, there's a couple of websites that will be helpful. Um, you can check out the organization's website at onecommonunity.org. That's O-N-E, common, unity, U-N-I-T-Y, dot org, uh, one word. And the other website with the books is thepoetryofyoga.com, which is T-H-E, poetry of O-F, yoga, dot com. So those two websites will allow you to link up with me pretty easily. Awesome. Awesome. Well, how I let you get back to your good work. Thank you so much for coming on Happy Healthy You and talking. I hope you'll keep us updated and let us know if there's something specific you might need from us in the future. I will. I definitely will. You know, we have, um, you know, the film is out and we are looking to try to screen the film in as many venues as possible. And if anybody's listening that works in a school or that has some, you know, some friend that's a principal or uh, vice principal of the school and they, you guys want to organize some programming and have one common unity and our facilitators come to your school, um, we do week-long uh, race to hate weeks and peace weeks and diversity trainings and teacher trainings and... Um, work with youth, so if, if anybody wants to, to connect with us, uh, don't hesitate to reach out through our website and, and let us know. We can organize a film screening in your area. Awesome. That sounds great. I want to see it, so I'm going to organize one somewhere. 
I I think yeah, it, I think do like a private screening in your house. You know, with like twenty people. Okay, we could do that. That'd be cool. That would be really cool. That's like a party with a purpose. Exactly. <laughs> okay, I'm in. I'm in. All right. All right. Well. You uh, get back to work or or get back to meditating because <laughs> two hours is a lot every day. But I'm inspired. I'm inspired by everything you